As much as people depend on us as leaders, you need someone who believes in you. You need a place to be open and honest with someone who's walked in your shoes and wants to help you become the leader you are meant to be. This is that place with those kind of people. Welcome to the Relational Leader Podcast with your host, Randy Bazette. Each episode will sit down and engage in life-giving conversation, unpacking leadership's greatest challenges. And now, your host, Randy Bazette. Well, welcome listeners and leaders to this episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. I'm Kristen, and as always, sitting across the table from Randy. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's happening? Oh, you know. Let's do it again. We are joined around the table today's for today's conversation with the one and only Charlotte Gamble. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad to be here in person. Yes, we're glad to have you here in person after some amazing services this morning. We had so, some good services. Thank yeah. you for extending your day and of joining us here for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, listeners, I'm sure you know who Charlotte Gamble is, but if you don't, um, you and your husband, Steve, y'all pastor Life Church mm-hmm. in England. Yeah. And you've got two amazing kids, which yes. I know are your pride and joy, right? <laughs> yeah. And you were just telling me your daughter's headed off to college. I know. I'm going to need therapy in about <laughs> yeah. a month's time. So yeah, she's oh. about to leave me. Oh, oh no. Yeah. It's, I know. Should we not talk about no, it? Let's no, let's not. No. I'm about Wait, to get on an airplane and go home and, and gonna, deal with that. You're going to see her for another week or so and yeah. she'll be off to university. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. I know. Oh, special yeah. times. And yeah. I know your family is your first mm-hmm. and foremost, your ministry, mm-hmm. but your ministry extends so much beyond that and really are such a voice for the church globally around the world and and what you're doing through Dare to Be and uh, all sorts of things (laughs) that God is using you to do, Um, your Cherish Women's Conference and the Collective. We'll talk a little bit about that later. (laughs) Um, But today we're going to talk about um, a topic that I think any leader and pastor in ministry desires, and it's longevity. Um, You start ministry and you desire desire it to be a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. But in recent studies, um, people are getting discouraged. They're quitting. Um, they're they're burning out. They're wearing out. And uh, you have been in ministry for over 25 years. Yeah. Yes. And so grew up in the church, like church, churches in you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You were in church probably before you were born. I've been in the same church all my life. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, yeah. Okay. And, and, and. That's and, commitment. I mean, yeah. who right. else can say that? Right. right. Yes. And you. You, I'm not going to give away your age at all, but you've been no, in ministry. No, I'm 53 now. I'm old. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, if we're, I've been in ministry for 28 years. <laughs> we're, so, yeah. so collectively, we've got a yeah. lot of longevity mm-hmm. here sitting around the table. And I, and that's really the topic of today's conversation. So I thought we'd kick it off with just a real broad kind of let's open it up with really practically what are some things that you guys are doing in your life or maybe you've learned to do maybe you didn't start off with them in your life but then you've kind of realized i've got to add this in that when you look at when i do these things it's what is helping me um stay in ministry for this time and not just barely stay in but stay in in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and have passion for the future so let's kick it off there and we'll see where the conversation goes wow that's an incredible question because uh most people don't think you know, long-term, like, you know, I was just teasing. I turned 53 when I was 25 and 30 years old. I wasn't thinking I'd live this long. So I didn't treat <laughs> treat myself at 30 like I needed to, so I could be healthy when I'm 53. So I have lots of aches and pains and such, you know, but it, isn't that true in ministry as well? 
I don't think we realize that this is a marathon mm-hmm. and not a sprint. And yeah. so we just run off with great passion and zeal. And that's not the pace that you have to mm-hmm. run or you can run for a long time. And I think the more I've done ministry, the more I've been able to realize who I really am and what I really should give myself to and what I should not give myself to. In other words, success is knowing what to say yes to. Like, mm-hmm. what did God call me to do? But it is saying no to all the other opportunities because mm-hmm. opportunities abound mm-hmm. in ministry. But it's realizing this is who I am and what I'm called to and saying no to everything else. That, that I mean, that's just one particular thing in general. There's lots of physical and spiritual things that we need. But you first have to know who you are and what you're called to be and do and say no to the other things. It's good. And I think you have to know what you can afford. You know, I think if you think about the scripture that says, you know, does a king go to war without first sitting down and counting the cost? Mm -hmm. He's not just thinking about, you know, how much energy that requires from him. He's thinking, do I have enough troops? Do I have enough artillery? Do we have, you know, what we need to take another army on? Like he's, he's doing an accounting of his life. And I think we can, when we're younger, think we have all this energy, all these ideas, but it's not just energy and ideas that you need. And so I think of your life like a bank account. Like, you know, sometimes we are, as it were, asking God to give us stuff that we have no business asking for because we have nothing in the bank to pay for it. We can't actually afford that withdrawal. We actually have not put into the bank the wisdom that that's gonna require, the patience it's gonna require, the the revelation that it's gonna require. And so I think a lot of times, just like if you think in the natural about your life, you have to think, well, have I saved for this? Have I deposited this? Because ministry is a huge withdrawal. It's a withdrawal on you as a person. It's withdrawal on the anointing in you. Mm -hmm. It's a withdrawal of your energy and time, like this morning and the two services. Afterwards, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm spent. Like, Mm -hmm. in other words, it's a withdrawal. It's a withdrawal of, of the gift that God placed in me that was to be stewarded for that moment. And so if you don't understand there's a withdrawal, then you won't understand the importance of deposits. Mm. And I think a lot of young leaders are all about the moments that look like the Sunday we just had or look like the altar call moment, but don't understand No, you that's not what sustains you. It's that you have enough in the bank so that when the conversation happens after that moment, you have the wisdom, you have the ability to hold your patience or your peace. You have the ability not to lose your temper. Like those are the things that make you a leader that can afford to live where it is that you're saying you want to live. A lot of people look at houses and go, I'd like to live there. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that has a price tag. So I think longevity is being able to afford the destiny that you're telling God that you want to have. So maybe in, in essence, you can also say it like this is we should live our lives with margin, mm-hmm. margin in our schedules mm-hmm. so that we can get the rest that we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, margin in our finances so that when opportunity comes we can afford to build that building or take that other campus on or whatever that it might be Uh, morally Mm -hmm. how many people don't have longevity because Mm -hmm. they've lived too close to the moral line Mm -hmm. of oh I shouldn't have done that Mm -hmm. so create some margin that way how about spiritually are you creating margin in your life where you're not just filling yourself up to give it out at that moment but you have margin so that when you finish preaching the services yes you're you're tired but do i have margin in there where i'm not totally at the end of myself because life is about managing opportunities and god may bring them to you and if you haven't lived with margin you can't say yes to that because i'm i'm burnt out or you did say yes to something you shouldn't have Mm -hmm. morally and now you've lost your 
legacy or your longevity of doing ministry. So live with margin, pastors and leaders. Don't burn yourself to the end all the time, uh, even though there are opportunities there. So know what to say no to Mm -hmm. so that you're living with margin, because when a God opportunity does come, Mm -hmm. you can say yes. Mm -hmm. Unlike unlike with a bank account, you have savings, right? You have investments you make, then you have withdrawals. And so just like you would think about managing your financial accounts in the natural, you have to think about your life that way. Mm-hmm. Like like the yes or the no is the withdrawal. Yeah. The saving is the things that you do to recoup you. And the investment, I think, is the part that, the, that a lot of leaders miss out. Like because they're so used to giving withdrawals, um, they, they don't realize, yeah, but every time you make a withdrawal, you deplete the account. Right. So if you don't go back and reinvest, or have someone speaking into your life and you're not just speaking into other people's lives, or have someone you're accountable, not just asking people to be accountable to you, the investment is not weighing up with the withdrawal. And that's where the enemy gets people bankrupt all the time. It's so true. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Now, have you guys ever been in a in a situation where maybe you're you're trying to balance that well, but something has come in ministry, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a staff member, maybe it's somebody very close to you, and it has just been such a disappointment and a discouragement that it's almost sucked everything out of you. No, no you're asking uh, is if we well, have or you know how recently <laughs> yeah. say, or how many times <laughs> <laughs> a quick counting so, i ran out of toes and fingers <laughs> so when those times have come because they come um what is it that you do in those times when you are desperate but you've got to also maybe continue to lead through something so people still need withdrawals from you but you have everything's come out already how do you how do you manage that how do you how do you work mm. through that how do you lead through that well i think you know when you're in a crisis i guess is kind of what this would sure. be whether it's a <clears throat> excuse me a personal crisis or a leadership crisis or something in the church in that regard uh to me you have to have the right people around you i've, I've been in those moments before literally i was like i was done mm-hmm. in my mind i was like okay i'm done and uh, guys like like yourself, Kristen, you and, and your husband and many leaders surrounded me in those moments. Mm-hmm. And they began to, they were my stretcher. They carried, mm-hmm. my, as we talked about earlier yeah, today, or you talked earlier. about, yeah. It's just they they carried me to Jesus and said, let me help you get there because you're, you can't do it on your own. I felt so paralyzed. So I would say the first thing you have to have in those moments is you have to have the people around you that are willing to carry you when you're ready to quit. You, I would say you can't be that in public to everyone, but you better have some people mm-hmm. that you can be real with. And I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to quit. And when I'm discouraged, that's that's where I'm at. In fact, I just came off of an extended period of time off because I was completely discouraged. I was in, empty. There was no margin of mm-hmm. anything spiritually, emotionally, in any way. And I told my closest friends and they mm-hmm. they took care of it for me to get me to a place to be mm-hmm. that way. So pastors if you're discouraged and you don't have somebody around you that you can be real with then you're yeah you're, you're not going to make it mm-hmm. and i think you know in i mean we all we all respond to crisis differently right some some panic some run away some bury their head in the sand we're all <laughs> wired differently some fight some mm-hmm. don't want to fight so i think every leader responds differently but every leader will take a hit and every leader will be affected by that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, years ago, um, you know, I wish someone had told me this sooner as a leader, you know, pain is inevitable, right? So leadership, if, you, if you've if you signed up for leadership, 
welcome to pain <laughs> because it you can't avoid it. You mm -hmm. know, you, you now have a target on your back. So does your family. So do you, you know, those are close to you. So, so you have to first of all understand that. But no one ever told me that you could pick your pain. And I think that's what I would say I've learned in managing those moments. It's, it's what you choose to do next that either makes that pain worse or makes that pain better. But, it, but nothing that you're gonna do is gonna remove the pain, right? The pain's gonna happen. And, and the best way I can describe it is when I went skiing for the first time and my family could all ski and I couldn't, so I decided to go on my own, try and conquer the mountain. <laughs> which you know in itself was a disaster but anyway i i it was ice conditions and as i rounded the corner i was out of control and so i knew pain was in my future but to the <laughs> left it. It right like a i was like pain is coming there's no way i'm getting out of pain i am going down but as i rounded the corner there was a ski school of five-year-olds that were doing a snowplow across the mountain and they were all holding each other's poles to do a big snowplow. Mm -hmm. So I realized as I rounded the corner, I have, a, I have to pick my pain right now. Because if I went left, I would take a couple of small kids out, <laughs> but I would land in a huge pile of snow that I could see. But if I went right, which is where two kids had dropped their poles and there was a gap between them, I would go off the edge of what I could see and I had no idea what would come next. And in that split second, I had a decision which I believe every leader has in those moments. Number one, you can choose collateral damage. Mm. Or number two, you can take the personal hit. And most people wow. choose collateral damage because it softens the blow and more people have to feel the pain that you feel. And so immaturity says, well, you hurt me, so I'm gonna put on Instagram what my version of the story is. Collateral damage says, well, you've had your say, now I'm gonna have my say. Collateral damage makes things public that should have stayed private. Private pain means that you don't wipe out the kids, but you don't soften the blow. But you end up taking a hit that you have stretcher friends to help you when you take that hit, but nobody that didn't need to get injured gets injured. Now that is a level of leadership mm -hmm. that I think we very much lack in the church. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of things play out on social media. You see a lot of hurt people hurting people. You see a lot of church fighting the church and you just realize there was, there was going to be pain but unfortunately, too many leaders choose pick the pain that's collateral damage. And so when I chose to go off the edge instead of hit the kids, I took the hit, right? And so I was the one with the bruises, the kids weren't. And that is the job of leadership. That's the job of parenting. There's just moments in life where you take what somebody else didn't need to take because for the greater good. And that's what Jesus modeled. Mm -hmm. You know, when Peter went to cut the ear, off the guy that came to seize Jesus. Jesus put the ear back on because he's like, that's just collateral damage. Mm -hmm. I know this is painful and I know what's about to happen is painful, but but how does you cutting the guy's ear off make this any less painful? We just had another injury we didn't need. So Jesus heals the ear and then Jesus goes in the garden on his own to endure personal pain before he takes public pain for all of us. So Jesus modeled that example. Um, and I think it's an example that's hard to live but it's actually an example that we all need to start to learn that we can wow. actually pick our pain. It doesn't make it easier, but what I would say to every leader listening is that when you choose that pain, God sends you ski carriers. Because the next day I had not told anybody I'd hurt myself. And one of my best friends that was skiing with us noticed I was wincing when I lifted my skis. And he said, what happened? I said, don't tell the kids, but I fell and I hurt myself. And he said, well, for the rest of the week, I'll carry your skis. God will send people who don't need to know everything but they're just literally there to carry your skis because they know that you took a hit for the greater good.
Mm. And I think that's what God does when we choose that pain. Mm-hmm. That's so good. You know, in those moments when when we do choose to do that, do do you ever get discouraged? Do you what how, what do you do to fight that discouragement? Even though you know it was the right decision, and and you know maybe it's the time in between God sending someone mm-hmm. to carry your skis, <laughs> um, but discouragement can can really. It can it can keep you back and mm-hmm. hold you back and I mean we were talking before it's one of the reasons that leaders quit and leave and yeah. pastors mm-hmm. just because they're just flat out discouraged mm-hmm. I think about the last year and a half of that everyone has been there's a mm-hmm. lot of discouragement mm-hmm. and a lot of discouraged pastors and church leaders that have been hit with crisis mm-hmm. they've been hit with things maybe they've I don't know which which way they went, um, but now here they are, and and they don't have a friend to carry their skis, or they're waiting for them to come mm-hmm. along, but they're in a pit of discouragement right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, to, to continue down your story, you you were skiing, you had to make a decision of which pain you were going to mm-hmm. choose, and I think pastors, when we're discouraged like this, we do need to choose the pain. Mm-hmm. I chose to be a leader, mm-hmm. so I need to take the brunt of the fall. Mm-hmm. But you should have never been on the, that mountain mm-hmm. without have going through a mm-hmm. ski school yourself. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think pa- pastors need to realize that some of this pain you maybe have caused yourself. Mm-hmm. You may be fighting a battle that you should not be fighting. Mm-hmm. You may be trying to build a project you should not be trying to build. Mm-hmm. And wow. so a lot of times we choose things that we haven't totally mm-hmm heard from God about or made the right decision. And so the first thing is to evaluate your pain. Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling this pain? It could be that you've, like I said, you've chosen something that was unwise that you shouldn't be doing. And maybe God is gonna use the pain to redirect you Mm -hmm. uh, so that you you, you can quit fighting something that he's not fighting. It's almost looking for the hand of blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes this problem could be, well, God's not blessing this. Mm -hmm. Why am I kicking against the goad? You know. Or it may just be as well evaluating. It may be, well, no, this is what God told me to do, and and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be the persistent widow until I, I get right. the answer I want. But I think it's evaluating the reason for the pain. God, what are you speaking to me through this pain? And I think discouragement, you know, just like being disqualified, the word dis means to do the opposite of. It means to nullify the word that follows that so when you disqualify you are doing the opposite of qualifying someone right so when you are discouraged something in your life is doing the opposite of what courage requires Mm. so you have to think to yourself okay well what are the actions that courage requires what are the actions that i know because i've had it before that i need to start doing to get myself out of the pit and and you have to start realizing well when i listen to that or when i read that it adds to the discouragement. So I have to start reading and listening to the things that add courage. I have to start being around conversations that build the courage. I have to be around company that that feeds the courage. And I think a lot of times we're in the pit, but while we're in the pit, we're ordering more orders of discouragement. You know, if I was dehydrated, then I know what to do, right? I have to go hydrate, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If I am, you know, if I'm if I'm hungry, I know what to do. I have to right. go eat. So if you're discouraged, you know what to do, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we overcomplicate it and make it that we have to do all these extra, extra things and we need all these hours and hours. But you know what to do. If your kid was discouraged, you as a parent know, 
how to talk to your kid and put courage back in them. Yep. You know how to take the lie away and you know how to feed them courage. You know how to build it into them. So you have to learn to do that for yourself, just like David. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? You will praise God. He's putting courage back in himself. Mm -hmm. He's reminding himself of God's faithfulness. He's reminding himself that he is more than enough. He's reminding himself that God is able in this moment to do what he's done before. And sometimes I think we use words like discouragement and forget we have the power to remove the dis from discouragement. And you just put the in. I'm encouraged. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so good. Get the diss out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Stop dissing yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. Well, we're getting close to our, our time ending our conversation. Before we do, let's do kind of like an, an all call question. Okay. So if you could give one piece of advice to your younger just starting out ministry full of zeal and passion maybe the bank isn't as full <laughs> yet as they think it is or you know what is that that one nugget that you would tell them before we wrap today's conversation that would help with that longevity i think for me it would be obedience i think we don't talk about it enough i think we talk about you know chasing your dream and believing and having a vision and all of that and all of that's great but it's the simple obedience you can never lose sight of if god says don't do it you don't do it mm -hmm. if god's not in it then then there's no business for you to be in it if god says change your attitude then change your attitude if he says repent it's the simple obedience honestly that has put my life on the right track more often than anything else mm. i've just come back to that i know that's what they say i should do and i know what that's what i feel but what is just my obedience and obedience is just staying true to what it is that god has asked you to do and that will stop you following a lot of stuff that God never asked mm -hmm. you to do. So, good. so to me, it's going back to, I decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And I'm still deciding all these years later to follow Jesus, mm -hmm. no turning back. Mm -hmm. I decided to read my Bible, no turning back. I decided to be in church. I decided to build the church as for me and my household. Mm -hmm. So I just stick on the path of obedience. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I would say. Cause there's a lot of times when you're younger, when you think that that is down the line somewhere but it should be at the top mm, that's good mm -hmm. it good. is true and there's no mistaking just plain old obedience just mm -hmm. do what you say you're going to do right do the right thing anyway um I'm, I'm trying to think through this in light of even our topic today in mm -hmm. other words what would i tell my younger self mm -hmm. and uh, i think i, I mean I, I think a lot of pastors are discouraged and leaders right now because they give so much to the ministry and, and it's a full time, you know, all all hands on deck, all play a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And they sacrifice their families oftentimes and their their marriage and their their children mm -hmm. for this. Not mm -hmm. even a noble cause, like an right. eternal cause, the church. Mm -hmm. And therefore, their kids grow up discouraged or disappointed or disenfranchised with the church. And uh, marriage is falling apart. And it adds to the mm -hmm. later in life what we're talking about, like being full of courage and mm -hmm. not being discouraged or wanting to quit because your family is in such a mess. You don't even have a, mm -hmm. a safe haven to go to at home that you feel like, oh, you know, this is this place is in, in order. Right. And I would tell pastors, if I could go back and tell myself when I'm younger, just keep your first ministry, mm -hmm. your first ministry. Right. It's good. Because uh, without that, it, it, it helps you endure a lot more when you know the home is in order. Mm. And that's obedience. God told us to love, yeah. love our wife, love our husband, lay mm -hmm. our life down for each mm -hmm. other. 
you know, to take care that if if your house is not in business, you've got no no business running God's house. Mm-hmm. So that comes all the way back to obedience again. Absolutely. We're big family lovers. That's why the Bizets and the Gambles are good friends mm-hmm. because that's a huge priority for us and has been a huge steering guide for what I say yes to and what I yeah. say no. That you know, my family has to be the thing that preaches louder. Mm-hmm. And look, we we're all you know. I'm at the stage in life where my kids are most of them adults two of them are married you know out of the house just about and to see them love the lord Mm -hmm. and love the church so much that's the longevity quote the longevity that we all want the legacy to yeah and uh but it came with a not a sacrifice but an intentional sowing into them Mm -hmm. as a priority and it's reaped an incredible harvest and i i get so uh my heart just gets heavy when i see pastors and leaders Mm -hmm. whose families just they don't give the attention to raising their kids right. and it's a lot of what raising kids is hard right to when they're young and they're crazy and you're like i just want peace <laughs> well you have to work for that you have to teach right. them how to be obedient right. to your yeah. word right so they can follow the word of the lord later right. on so they will be right. grown-ups of adults right. that are uh, grown up that are obedient as right. adults to the voice of god but you have to teach them how to listen to me when i tell you to do something right. and it just takes work <laughs> It just does, and and I think so many times we sacrifice that, we neglect that, mm-hmm. and it causes enormous amount of pain and discouragement mm-hmm. later on in life because we've dissed our family. Right? See? Don't diss your family. See? Don't diss. Don't them. diss yourself. Right. Don't diss God. Those are your takeaways from yeah. today's yeah. conversation. <laughs> oh, but no, but that's so good, so good from both of you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing, and Charlotte, thank you so much for being with us again today. Of I course. know this is going to bless so many, mm-hmm. and uh, there's probably some people that are like, okay, how do I get more? of this British lady. Yeah. <laughs> so you've you got definitely all, want more yes, of this. You've, sure. got, you've got all kinds of resources. I know you have your website, charlottegamble.com, and they're all there. But I also know you just launched something for leaders called The Collective that is pretty game yeah. changer. Tell it us is. a little bit about yeah. it. It's the thing I said I'd never do. <laughs> but so you're it goes obedient. back to obedience, you're, right? You're <laughs> obedient. There you go. Because for many years, people would say, do you mentor leaders? Like, is there any way that you could help me? And you know, and I always say no, because to me, when you say the word mentor, I think of Yoda from Star Wars, like older and wiser and greener. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm no Yoda, so no. Um, And then just like 12 months or so ago, I just felt God say, this is the right time to say yes. And so obviously because our world looked very different and I wasn't traveling as much, I was like, okay, well, how do I do this? So literally began to scribble down in a notebook ideas called The Collective, which is basically, I just had women write in if they wanted to be in some kind of mentorship. And I'm like, I'll commit to a five month journey with you where once every month for two hours, I'm just gonna have you on a screen with a bunch of other women. There's like 25 in a group, 30 in a group. And I'm just gonna pour into you leadership gold that I've built over the years that I've just kept and never preached anywhere. No messages I've ever preached. It's just all brand new content. So literally just finished my first batch of leaders. I thought I'd get 10 applicants because I didn't even advertise it. So when we got over 100 applicants, I was like, man, this is a hunger Mm. out there. Mm, And you know, the other thing I realized, and I'd say this to any guys that are listening because it's for women that Mm -hmm. I do it. But one of the reasons why I did it was because I'm, I'm 
friends with a lot of people that are in ministry and obviously the senior pastor is a male but on their team they have strong females that they want to invest in but it's awkward like when a guy travels a senior pastor will say to the other guys do you want to come with me on this trip well you can't say that to the females on your team right, right. that would be weird and so and so i was like how do i help pastors breathe into the women in their team and group and give them some leadership wisdom without the pastor feeling like they're leaving them out so it just became this answer for leaders in churches to say why don't you get that you know woman to sign up for collective and because i'm a church builder so it's safe you know and also just entrepreneurs and women in business and so i literally have just finished the first course and the feedback was unbelievable and god just did something really beautiful it's basically me sat chatting wow. with you in my living room i mean it's like fun I and so yeah <laughs> so we just finished the next one is in the fall the sign up so i think we're pretty maxed out but i'm gonna repeat it twice a year so okay. yeah well i know someone that just went through your first one and she had nothing but <gasps> you better sign up for the next one like that was the words out of her mouth so i know my homework from yeah. from today's <laughs> conversation so but it was thank you for thank telling you so us much. a little bit about that yeah. and thanks for being here mm. and you know, Randy, it's good to see you again. You know I mean? <laughs> it's like, we keep finding ourselves right here at this location. Right here, and you right have such here. a radio voice, right? You could be on radio. You have oh. a very like radio podcast voice. Mm -hmm. It's like was made for this. Well, on that note, then, <laughs> thanks for joining this episode on the Relational Leader Podcast. We are glad that you were here, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Relational Leader Podcast. For more resources, visit randybazette.com.